Hey everybody, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Decatur City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, we would love it if you would take just a moment to download the Decatur City Church app where you can find access to all of our recent message content. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope you enjoy the following presentation and I hope it inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. So uh, kicking off a brand new series uh, this morning, but before we go any further, I just want to give a quick welcome. We got some people watching online, but we've also are being joined uh, by our Decatur City Church uh, campus down in Decatur. So I just want to say welcome. They're going to be tuning in with us throughout the course of the series. So if we could, can, can we give Decatur City a warm Woodstock City welcome? We love y'all. I've never been to Decatur um, I hear that it's greater. I don't know. Is that a thing? Um, but my name is Sam Massad. I get to serve here at Woodstock City as lead pastor and just want to say that uh, we love you. So glad that you're tuning in with us and grateful that you're tracking along throughout the course of this series, um, which is a brand new one that we're kicking off today called Made for This. Made for this. And, and we're going to start with a little bit of a question, okay? I'm going to give you a chance to prepare because in a second, I'm going to ask you just to turn to your neighbor um, and answer a quick little question. It's not going to be super, super deep, okay? We're going to have some fun with this one. But I just want you to start thinking about um, what are you made for, okay? And, and we've got plenty of time to go deep. So, so keep this surface level and fun. Like when you think about experiences that you enjoy, jobs that you have or had had, roles or responsibilities that you've had in your life, like what would you say, yeah, 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 I I am made for that. You're experiencing joy, happiness, peace, and purpose when you're doing or experiencing any of those things. I want you to think about it, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go first, okay? Um, <clears throat> because you might also answer things that you are not made for. I'm, I'm gonna do both, okay? So um, anything like really outdoorsy, not made for it, okay? <clears throat> like maybe a, a little bit, and then come inside to the air conditioning. You know what I mean? Um, but all-inclusive resorts, Definitely made for that, 100%. Made for that all day. Um, I, was, uh, I went to the University of Georgia, and I was a pre-med major. <clears throat> Not made for that, obviously. <laughs> One semester of chemistry, and I was done, okay? Um, I, I am a, I'm, a, I'm a girl dad. I've got three girls, and I'm telling you, I was made for that. I don't, I don't, if we have a fourth kid, I don't know, and if it's a boy, I don't know what I would do with, with him. Like, I have no idea. I'm a girl dad through and through, and I love it. Um, some of you, some of you might, might know this. A, a lot of you don't. My parents, my name is Samer. It's an Arabic name. My parents were born in Israel. My dad was born in Nazareth, like the Jesus Nazareth, so I was quite literally came out of the womb made for ministry, Okay. Uh, I, I was destined. I had no other choice. Um, and here we are. So real quick, real quick, have some fun. Take the next 15 seconds and turn to your neighbor. Tell them something that you are made for. Go to Decatur City. I want you to do it too. Go ahead and do it right now. All right, great job, you did it. It's a question, right? What are you made for, really? Like, like we can have some fun with that, but what are you made for, really? That, that preposition for often introduces a 
purpose clause, right? Made for something, made for a purpose. What are you made for? What am I made for, really? I mentioned I got, I got three daughters in my middle daughter named Samantha. Um, she's two and a half years old. Um, and this beautiful picture brought to you by the iPhone 13 Pro. Uh, but... <clears throat> It's pretty amazing, right? Um, anyways, she's at the stage of her life now where she just, everything she wants to know, what's that for? And she can't really say F yet, so it's like a P. It's like, what's that poor? Daddy, what's that poor? What's that poor? What's that poor? What's that poor? She wants to know, what is, she, she's exploring, she's our adventure, and she wants to know, why is this here? What does this thing do? Why does this thing exist? What is that thing for? What are you poor, right? What are you, what are you made for? Have you ever wondered? Like, why do I exist? What am I put on this earth? Who am I meant to be? What am I supposed to do? Have you ever wondered? What's the purpose of my life? What's the purpose of my life? Why am I here? To, To be a human is to wrestle with these questions. And this is the question that we are after over the course of this series. Because no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter faith or no faith, believe in God, don't believe in God, have a faith background or don't, no matter how old you are, no matter where you come from, what you do or don't do, to be human is to wrestle with the question, why am I here? To be human, it eludes none of us. To be human is to search far and wide for purpose, Meaning and fulfillment. Purpose, because you want to know that your life has meaning and you want to know the meaning so that you can experience fulfillment. And this isn't even a faith thing. This is a human thing on the most basic level. There's something hardwired in us to wonder, to want to know, why am I here? In fact, Mark Twain, he said this, that the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. I don't even know if that's true, but it feels true, you know? In fact, it feels like it could have been in the Bible. Had I put Jesus here, you'd have been like, huh, never learned that verse before, you know? (laughs) Something about it just, it connects with us. Yeah, I want to know why. And isn't it so true? There are probably seasons in your life where that has been crystal clear. But there's also been seasons of your life where it hasn't been clear. I'd be willing to bet there were more seasons where it wasn't than it has been. In fact, for some of you, um, that quick little 30 seconds, what are you made for at the beginning was a bit of a struggle because you have no idea. I can promise you you're not alone. And for all of us, no matter what season you've gone through, in every season of life from beginning to end, we're processing, trying to figure out, why am I here? Figure out what to do, where to go, what's God's will, right? I mean, all the high schoolers and college students, anybody tuning in, right? Like you've got your whole life in front of you. You're thinking about um, what major you're going to choose, where you're going to go to school, in-state, out-of-state, what the internship is going to be. I was talking to a sophomore in high school the other day, and he's like, yeah, I'm working on my college credits. I was like, I'm sorry, you're doing what? College credits? Sophomore? Chill. Uh, But I'm kidding, encouraged, amazing. I just don't have that. Um, But you've got your whole life in front of you, and it's like, okay, what am I going to do? What's my purpose? Where am I going? What should I do? What should I invest in? Um, your young, if you're in your young adult years, right, you're post-college, you're trying to figure out your career path, land on a job, right? It's a completely brand new chapter of life. It's unlike any other season you've ever been in. You're trying to figure out how it fits, how it works, where to live, where to move. You want to get married, trying to get married, want to find somebody to marry, right? You're trying to figure out all these things, and, and you're wondering, okay, where do I go? How do I make the right decision? 
What's the purpose? Why am I here? Maybe you've in a season where you've kind of got it all. You've got the job, you've got the house, you've got the kids, you've got the SUV or the minivan, and you've, you, you, you've got it all, right? The job you always wanted, you always wanted to stay at home, and so you're getting to stay at home, but then maybe you're left wondering, well, that it? It's, it's not what I thought, or did I choose right, or it, I, I feel a little bit stuck. Is there more? Maybe you're at a point where your kids are a little bit older, still at the house, but a little bit older, and they don't need you as much, unless it has to do with the security number on your credit card, right? And, but the fact that you're not as needed is a little unsettling, and you're trying to figure out what to do with that. Or maybe you've been in the same job for a long time that was supposed to be a stepping stone, and it wasn't a stepping stone, and now you're still there, and you're wondering, why am I still here? Is it too late to do something different? Was this what I was supposed to do, right? Like, I've, I've used up all the years. Now it's too late to try something different. Maybe I mean, you're in your empty nester and your kids are out of the house and it's a lot more quiet and your checking account has never had more money in it and that all feels awesome. But then the one thing you've done your whole life is parent and it's, what do I do now? I've got more time. What do I do now? Or maybe you're retired you're tired, and, and, and it's nice to have the time and not have to wake up early in the pressure of work, but you're waking up every day to the jarring reality that you don't have to do a job anymore, something that you probably found a lot of purpose in, and now you're wondering, well, what now? Or maybe you've experienced an unexpected, unplanned interruption in life, lost a job. Maybe in the past couple of years, you were forced to retire early. Maybe you, you had a move that you weren't expecting. You had to make it and it uprooted your life and uprooted your family. Maybe you're walking through a divorce, experiencing loss, grieving, and you're left wondering, okay, now what? Because all the things that gave my life purpose are now gone. Now what? When every season, through every season and stage of our lives, we're wondering why are we here? It just looks different. And maybe you feel stuck. Maybe you feel unsure. Am I doing enough? Am I doing it right? Am I on the right track? Maybe you're on the back half of what you would consider life and you're wondering, is there any purpose left for me? Maybe you're just kind of worrying your way through life because you just want to get it right. The best word I can describe to not having a clear answer to the question, why am I here, is it's unsettling, isn't it? It's unsettling to not have clarity around why you're here, around purpose. And the chief reason is because you've only got one life to live. I've got one life to live. We've got limited amount of time. So look, if there's a right way, I wanna know. If there's a right decision, I wanna know. If God has a will for my life, I want to know it. Why am I here? So over the course of the next few weeks, we're gonna answer the question, why am I here? And to do so, we're gonna journey through the book Colossians. We're going to journey to the book of Colossians. It's a short um, book of the Bible found in the back half of your New Testament. And so over the next three weeks, I'm going to preach every week out of Colossians. I'm not going to be able to get every detail of it. We've only got three weeks. I'm going to give you kind of the major themes throughout answering the question, what are you made for? Why are you here? But what I want you to do is I want you to read through Colossians as I preach through Colossians. So every Sunday I'll preach through it. And then through the week, we'll all read it together and lean in and journey through this book together as we discover together why we are here. 
So Colossians chapter one, verses one through two, give us a little bit of background about who wrote it and who it went to and why. So Colossians chapter one, verse one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our father. So Right here, quick context, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote this letter from a prison cell in Rome. He was imprisoned, awaiting trial because of, of his faith. And what we know about Colossae, it was a small city in modern day Turkey. And the Apostle Paul, he planted a bunch of churches around the Mediterranean Rim. But the church in Colossae wasn't one of the ones that he planted. How did he know about it? Well, we learn uh, how we knew about it in a few verses later, Colossians chapter one, verse seven. The apostle Paul writes, you learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the spirit. So Epaphras more than likely was visiting the apostle Paul in prison. He was visiting him, checking in on him. And then probably he's the one that most likely planted the church in Colossae. And so he's telling the apostle Paul about how it's going, all that's going on, the tensions, the problems, all the things he's running into as he's trying to figure out how to lead a church and plant a church and help people walk in the faith of Jesus. Now, more than likely, the Apostle Paul, taking all that information, wrote a letter and sent it back to um, the, the Colossian Christians with Epaphras. Now, why do I tell you all that detail? Well, one, it's right there in the text, but I wanna demystify the text for us a little bit, right? Because it's easy to forget, but the New Testament documents, many of them are letters. The Apostle Paul, he wrote these letters to different churches, letters, correspondence, taken out, right? An ancient artifact a pen, a paper, remember those? And he wrote a letter. And the reason he did is because the resurrection of Jesus launched a brand new movement. And letters were how the apostles like Paul and, 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 and Peter uh, and, and John, it was how they extended their reach to teach the theological and practical implications of the resurrection of Jesus. This was how they were to teach and encourage. It was through these letters. So Epaphras is telling Paul about all the things going on in the church at Colossae, and then the apostle Paul writes a letter to send it back to encourage the people. And so just like any other letter that Paul wrote for have for us in the New Testament, this one had a purpose. Every one of his letters, he's writing with intention, with a purpose to address something going on. And Paul's chief concern in the book of Colossians, in this letter that he wrote to the church in Colossae, was to answer this question, who is Jesus? The Apostle Paul's main goal was to give crystal clear, um, crystal clear language and understanding as to who is Jesus. More than likely, Epaphras would have told Paul that there were some questions about who Jesus was, wrong teaching and understanding about who Jesus is, that he is the second person in the Trinity, Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And so there was maybe a lot of questions about who Jesus is, some wrong teaching, and so Paul wanted to give some crystal clear clarity around this question. Now, you might be wondering, cool, what does this have to do with why I'm here? This, as you're gonna find out in a moment, has everything to do with why you are here. That everything about the Christian faith rises and falls on how you answer this question. And the Apostle Paul is gonna show us how it connects to the answer of the question, why am I here? So I want you to take that question and hold on to it for just 
the second. So the Apostle Paul, he, he tells us who, who he's writing to, how he got it there through Epaphras, and then he goes on to encourage the Colossian Christians and to tell them his hope for them. He writes this in verse 9. For this reason, since I've, I know about the, the, the faith that you have, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. He goes on, we continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So Paul is telling us, hey, this is what I've prayed for you. I have prayed that you would begin to get a knowledge of the will of God. Now, what the Apostle Paul isn't necessarily describing as each individual person's private and unique will and individual path. What he's talking about here is a greater awareness of God's will and how their faith in their lives and how your faith in your lives intersect with God's plan as he seeks to redeem humanity. So what Paul is saying here in this letter, hey, listen, I want you to know why you're here. I want you to discover why you're here. I want you to discover and I want you to understand how your faith and where God has you intersects with how God is working in the world because you have a part to play. Then he goes on and he gives them the purpose for this. I want you to have knowledge of the will of God. For what reason? So that, he goes on, you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. The reason he wants them to discover God's will is so that they might live a life worthy of Jesus. That word live, it means walk. It means walk. Um, The way you walk through your life. Paul is saying, I want you to discover God's will. I want you to know your why because it will impact the way that you walk. I want you to know your why because it will impact the way that you walk through life, the way you walk through work, the way you walk through relationships, the way you walk through your decision making, the way you walk through any season you find yourself in, no matter the circumstance, the way you walk towards your potential and the way you walk towards your dreams with the time that you have been given. What the Apostle Paul is telling us, that there is a deeper, whenever we have a deeper understanding of God's will, it leads us to be able to live a life worthy Jesus. And come on, if you're a Jesus follower, this is what you want. If you are a follower of Jesus, you want to know that you are walking in the way that God might have for you, that you might get to the end of this year, the end of this decade, the end of whatever season you're in at work or the end of the season of parenting that you are in and know in your heart, I did well. I walked in the way that God had for me. I walked in my purpose. I knew my meaning and I was able to find fulfillment. I lived in a way worthy of Jesus. And if you're not a Jesus follower, come on, you want to walk worthy too. You want to walk worthy and get it right You want your life to have meaning. You want your life to add value to the world and the people that you love around you. And maybe, I'm just gonna put this right here, maybe Jesus plays a bigger part in that than you ever thought. What God was doing and what Paul was communicating to the the church in Colossae is that God was inviting them into something bigger than themselves. And God is inviting you and me into something bigger. And the answer to the question, why am I here? Right? So we're going to, okay, cool. I get that. God's will. Okay, so what is God's will? What is it? How do I get there? Why am I here? The answer to that question starts with answering the question I told you to hold on to just a second ago. Why am I here starts with answering who is Jesus? 
why am I here starts with answering who is Jesus. Finding your purpose starts with answering who is Jesus. And if you're reading through Colossians, and, and I hope you do this, when you read through Colossians, this next section that comes right after the one we just read kind of feels a little bit random because what the Apostle Paul is about to do is launch into the most dynamic description in all of the scriptures about who Jesus is. The apostle Paul is about to use words that he uses nowhere else in any of his letters, found nowhere else in all of the New Testament to describe who Jesus is. In fact, in the original language, it reads more like a hymn or a poem. And at first it might feel a little bit random, but what the apostle Paul is gonna show you is how the answer to this question answers the question to you and to me about why we are here. So I want to walk through what the Apostle Paul says about who Jesus is and connect the dots for us. So I pray that you would know the, the knowledge of the will of God so that you may live a life worthy of Jesus. So Paul is now going to answer, well, who is Jesus and why does that matter? Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, he says this, that the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. He is the image of the invisible God, God the Son the second person of the Trinity is the image. That Greek word for image is icon. I want you to think about just some famous logos and, and icons, right? Like Apple, the Apple, the Nike swoosh, the, the Target, Target, right? Um, Coca-Cola, the Coca-Cola script. What those are are icons that represent the company. The, these companies want to get these in front of you so that you see them. And when you see them, you know what the company's about. You know what it stands for. You know what they sell. It makes you feel a certain way. They, they want to get that icon in front of you because it represents everything that that company is. Jesus the Son of God, who is fully God. He is the very image, the very icon of God in the fullest sense because he is God. He fully represents who Jesus, who God is, because he is God. Jesus himself said in the Gospel of John, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He's the visible manifestation of God. If you wanna know what God is like, you look at Jesus. The Apostle Paul says he's the firstborn over all creation. That word firstborn, it communicates rank. What the Apostle Paul wants you to know is that there is no created thing that ranks higher than Jesus. Right? Um, in the Christmas story, Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem. Right? That wasn't the first time that Jesus existed. It was just the first time he put on human flesh. No, no, Jesus has always existed. There is nothing in creation greater than him. The apostle Paul wants to show us the supreme status that Jesus has over all created things. He's the firstborn. To what degree? The apostle Paul goes on and he doubles down on this idea. For in him, in Jesus, through Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him, that Jesus, the son of God, was there at the beginning. He's the creative agent of the father. And in the biblical, in biblical times, and especially in first century literature and, and, and thinking, any time you talked about creation was typically in the context of describing relationship dynamics. And so what the Colossian Christians would have understood, when you start talking about the creator, you're saying the supreme being who is worthy of all worship and submission. Paul wants to make clear, there is nobody greater than Jesus. So much so that all things, he says, all things, all things were created through him and for him. 
and all things includes you, and all things includes me. There's that word for right here. Our preposition, our our purpose preposition for that you and I's existence is not an accident. You and I's existence right here in this moment of history is not unintentional. And we're going to dig into this more in just a minute. But you and I exist with more purpose than you could have ever imagined because you and I exist for Jesus. He goes on in verse 17. He says, he, Jesus, is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Jesus is the glue. In our household, my wife is the glue. Our world happens and life happens and our kids survive and they're fed and like we're okay and the activities happen and our schedule works and I figure life out one day at a time. Why? Because my wife holds it all together. Julie is the glue. She does things that I don't even know. And I hate to say, ashamed to say, she even does things that I don't even notice sometimes as she holds it all together. She's the glue. Now, I understand, I'm not saying my wife is Jesus. That's a great way to get some points. Uh, but, (laughs) But in... A similar way, in a bigger way, in a grander way, Jesus is the glue for all of creation. The one for whom and through whom all things were created also sustains creation. We could geek out and talk about how this earth and this world is uniquely fit for human life in a way unlike any other planet that we know about. And that is Jesus holding things together and doing things that we don't even see, just happens. And not just creation, but Jesus holds all things together for life itself, for your life and for my life. Because can I just be real for a second? I don't know about you, but I don't want to imagine a world or live in a world absent of the sustaining hope of Jesus, no matter what we face. I don't want to imagine living in a world void of the sustaining love, joy, and peace that Jesus offers. He holds all things together. Jesus is the glue. Verse 18, he concludes, and he is the head of the body, of the church, the big C church, the people, the movement. He's at the head. He is the beginning. He was before all things, and he's the firstborn from among the dead. In other words, he was, the res- he was resurrected. He's the resurrected one. Death did not defeat him, so that in everything, he might have the supremacy. In everything, Jesus reigns supreme. Paul's intent is clear. He wants to highlight the power, the supremacy, the greatness, and the status of Jesus above all things. And what Paul wanted to make sure was crystal clear to the church in Colossae, he wanted to make sure they were putting Jesus in his proper place. He wanted to make sure that they had a proper view of who Jesus really is. Because when you have a proper view of who Jesus is, watch this, it changes everything. In fact, a proper view of who Jesus is illuminates for you and it illuminates for me our primary purpose in life. Because if you want to know why you're here, first you need to know who you're here So why am 
I hear? Don't miss this. The answer is more who than what. The primary purpose of why am I here, it has more to do with who Jesus is than the what of anything that I ever do. Can we go back to Colossians verse 16 real quick? Remember this? All things, he says, all things, including you and me, especially you and me, all things have been created through him and for him. That you and I, before we were created to do something, before any job, before any title, you were made for Jesus. In the right view of Jesus matters because we as humans, there is no way that we can be created for someone or something who doesn't have the status that Jesus has. There's no way we can be created for someone or for something that is any less than who Jesus is. Before anything that you do, you were created for someone. Before anything that you do, you were made for Jesus. That means that you were made and I have been made to know Jesus, to live like Jesus, and to show others Jesus. Before anything else, before anything that you do, you are made to know him, to live like him, and to show others him by the way that you live your life. Before any job that you have, before anything that you do, watch this. He just wants you, that you and I were made You and I were created to live in relationship with Jesus and reflect him to the world. And come on, can I just tell you, this is life-changing. This is so freeing because watch this. If Jesus, if the primary purpose of your life is to know him relationally, to live like him, and to show others him, you don't have to wander around trying to find purpose. There isn't ever a season in your life where you are wondering what your purpose is. You don't have to have to worry about whether or not you're walking in your purpose. If the primary purpose of your life, don't miss this, is to know, live like, and show others Jesus, that means there is purpose in anything that you do in anywhere that you go. You know this. The primary purpose of your life is in a job, some kind of role, a responsibility, a relationship, and a title, and a thing. Come on, you know this. It's never gonna be fully satisfied in that thing because what happens when that thing is gone? What happens when that thing changes? What happens when that relationship changes? Then what? But, watch this, with the proper view of Jesus, for whom all things were created and by whom all things were created. With the proper view of Jesus, no longer is your life and my life segmented out into different things where Jesus is here, work is here, life is here, school is here, friendships is here. No, no, no. With the proper view of Jesus, Jesus is everything and he is in everything. And suddenly there is more purpose in every area of your life and there is more purpose even in the most mundane of seasons. And when you and I can tap into the reality that the primary purpose of your life is more of a who than a what, you will begin to see the clearest picture of God's will and purpose for your life. But it starts with a proper view of Jesus for whom all things were created. Because Jesus isn't just a part of life. Jesus is the context for all of life. He's not just a part No, no, he's the context for the whole thing. And suddenly when he's the context and the filter for the whole thing, the one that you were made for, to know, live like, and reflect, that means 
They have to go around searching for purpose. No, no, when he's the context for the whole thing, he brings purpose to every job. He brings meaning to every experience. He brings purpose to every relationship and to every season. If you have the right view, he's not just a part. He's a context and a filter for the whole thing. And the what, the what that you do, the the things that you do, I'm not saying it's not important. We're going to get into that in the next couple of weeks practically, but it starts with who. It starts with your primary purpose of who you were made for and who you were made to know. And what you're going to find is the who gives context to the what. But I'm just telling you, it starts with the answering this question. Who is Jesus to you? Why am I here? Before you do that, who is Jesus to you? You got to answer this question. And if you're a Jesus follower, can I just lean in and step on your toes for a second? Do you believe that you were created by him and for him? Like I, I know you probably say, yeah, of course. But I mean, is this the Jesus that you really know? Like, do you live with the kind of security that your value isn't derived from anything that you can do in the world or anything you can do for God? It's derived from the fact that you were created for a God that loves you and sent his son to save you? Is that the Jesus that you know? Is that the security that you live with? Is there something that you've been chasing in your life for far too long for all the wrong reasons, thinking it would fill something inside of you, but there's something deep down inside of you that knows that it won't? Has fulfillment been elusive? Meaning and significant, lost. Well, do you believe that you were created by him and for him? Who is Jesus to you? Is he the one? Is he the one you trust to hold all things together? Easy to worry about what to do, where to go, am I getting it right? But is there a trust? Again, yeah, I I trust God, but, but really, our world and your life doesn't always feel like it's being put together. But is Jesus the one that you trust when you don't feel like things are being held together? Is he the one that you trust when you don't understand, can't see, or can't explain? Is the resurrected Savior the one whom you've hung the hope of your soul on? And another question worth asking, is there any area of your life you are struggling to trust him with? Who is Jesus to you? Lastly, does he have Supremacy in everything in your life. Really? Like, is Jesus the one that you orient your life around? Is he just a part? Or is he the context for the whole thing? Because if he's just a part, you're going to miss it. Is there an area of your life that doesn't, that he doesn't have supremacy over? This is the Jesus that you were made to know. And the best thing that you can do is to lean in 
during the course of the series, lean in and read Colossians with us. Because when Jesus is in the right place, when he holds supreme, when he is the one for whom, by whom, and through whom all things were created by and for, when he's in the right place, I'm just telling you, it will unlock purpose, meaning, and significance and fulfillment in your life unlike anything else can. Because he is who you were made for. And if you're not a believer, or you're not a Jesus follower, or you're not sure what you do or don't believe about faith, and maybe you're not ready to take a step, you're not ready to say what you do or don't believe about Jesus, that's okay. Can I just encourage you to stay curious? Can I just encourage you to continue to lean in? Can I even encourage you to maybe read a little bit of Colossians on your own and for yourself? And maybe you'll see Jesus in a way that you never have before. But what I want you to know This is true whether you know Jesus or not, but Jesus made a way for you, for us, to know him. The Apostle Paul concludes this passage we're in with this. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile himself, to, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, that there was this thing called sin that separated us from our heavenly father. But Jesus came to reconcile. To reconcile means to make compatible again. He came to reconcile, to die and rise again for our sins so that we could be made compatible with God again, so that we could know God again, so we could live in relationship with the one that we were made for. Your life, first and foremost, the purpose and the meaning of why you are here is more about who than what. And when that who, when Jesus has the right place, I'm just telling you, it will give context and purpose and meaning and significance to whatever you do, wherever you go, and whoever you're but you need to know that Jesus has made himself available to be known. All you have to do is receive it, receive his grace and walk in his love. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you that you see us. Thank you that you are not primarily concerned with what we can offer you. Thank you that you are not primarily concerned with anything you can get from us. But thank you that you made us primarily to know us, to walk with us, to see us experience the fullness that only Jesus can offer. I pray, Lord, you would give us the courage to be honest about who Jesus is to us and the place that he has in our lives. And would you give us the courage to make some moves, to reshape some thinking, and to renew our minds to the reality of who Jesus really is. And may that perspective change everything when we start to see Jesus in everything. We need you. We need Jesus. And we're grateful. We're grateful that you satisfied our greatest need when you saved us for yourself. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.